David Kadavi, who is a best-selling author whose books help artists be productive. Now, David was the design advisor for behavioral scientist Dan Ariely's productivity app, and David's mind management principles were applied to features that are now used by millions of people. You're probably using them too. I know I am. If you use Google Calendar, you're using um, mind management principles that David helped develop. Now, David, welcome to Chaos to Creation Confessions. I've been dying to speak to you. Last time we were in touch, you were in Colombia. So how are you doing over there? And uh, how's the temporal time switch going for you? Uh, hello, Debbie. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm in Colombia. I have been here for five years now. It's kind of was in some ways, the beginning of the project of this book that I have coming out. And now I'm here with, uh, I own furniture. You know, I came here with just suitcases and now I own furniture and have uh, an apartment that I rent directly and everything. And so now I guess this is my life. <laughs> so, uh, but, but, but yeah, the temporal time switch uh, is, is, is great here. It's a, it's a, it's an event time culture rather than a clock time culture. And, and that really helps. So what does that mean? Because I, you know, I, I went from Birmingham in, in the UK to Spain and that was mm -hmm. a big time shift, cultural time shift. What does it mean for you in, in Colombia to be the difference between temporal versus event time? What does that mean to you? Yeah. So first of all, there was a social psychologist, Robert Levine. He studied kind of attitudes about time in various cultures. And he identified two different attitudes towards time, clock time and event time. Clock time is when you're watching the clock. I'm going to have this meeting at this time. I'm going to have lunch at this time. I'm going to uh, go to the grocery store at this time. Event time is when you are looking at uh, your schedule in terms of events. Oh, I'm going to eat lunch when I'm hungry. And then we're going to have this meeting. And then once we meet the objectives of this meeting, if there's still time, then we'll have this other meeting. And so it's more of let's do these things one at a time. We're not so much looking at time and trying to get what we can into that time. Uh, and there's actually some really interesting um, research about event time versus clock time, um, showing that people who are clock time oriented uh, tend to not so easily be in the moment. They're not as good at savoring the, the, the emotions in the pre, in the, of the present moment. They're not as good at uh, being open to the sort of random opportunities that you can get when you're doing creative work. Uh, and, and so I think for creative work, I'm finding, I have found spending time here in Colombia that event time uh, which is what more Colombians are more on uh, is a lot better for creative work. Now, I had a lot of trouble processing this this concept of the difference between event time and clock time when I first heard it. But there is one thing that I think illustrates it better than anything, and that is the way that uh, Colombians, or perhaps in Spain, or uh, you know, a lot of other cultures, Brazil, the way that they view a week. So if you're going to have a meeting with somebody, have an appointment with somebody in, in Colombia, and it's one week from today, like today, this, today's Thursday, if it's next Thursday, they're going to say, oh, it's an ocho dias, which means in eight days. 
Now, the first time I heard this, I was super confused. I was like, well, it's Thursday, so that means next Friday. It's also, it's kind of a weird way to say that you're going to have a meeting next Friday. But no, it means next Thursday. Because to, to people in event time cultures, a week is eight days. Well, how can that be? I first thought, well, this is objectively wrong. I mean, it's seven rotations of the earth separate right now. And this, this <laughs> meeting that we're going to have, like, how can it, it's not, it's not eight days, but obviously I mean, like how silly me, how can I say that an entire culture is wrong about the way that they're, they're looking at time. But now I understand it. Now that I understand event time, I get it because today is an event. There's six days between now and the day that the meeting will take place. Those are each events. And then the day the meeting takes place is also an event. So one plus six plus one equals eight. There's eight days in the week, right? And so this isn't, this isn't by the way, that when the Beatles were saying eight days a week, um, <laughs> that, was, that was based off of uh, some chauffeur that said that he was working hard. It was like saying he was working 100, giving it 110%. Eight days a week is each day is an event, which is actually kind of a refreshing ideas that today counts yeah um and so then you can be in the moment more and i find that this really works um great for creative work uh because creative work is is random you kind of don't know when you're going to have a great idea or a great insight you can't force that and make that happen um you know the the busier you are the the tighter your deadlines if you have if you need to think creatively, you're going to, uh, that's going to backfire. And so being able to be a little more present in the moments uh, is something that I've learned living here in Colombia. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us on to your books because you are a multi, multi, multi written author. You've got, um, you've published quite a few books. You've got, I'm going to read out a couple of them. The Heart to Start, to have you stop procrastinating and start creating design for hackers to have you change the way you see design now the most recent book and this is why um why i wanted to ask you about your uh, idea about time and um, this temporal shift that you've been going through is your most recent book is time manage is mind management not time management now I, i've been so lucky because i've been able to read your chapters in advance i've been part of that advanced readers group which you've done through book from the book i really really tell us about this book and tell us about the process of writing this book yeah so it all started actually when i wrote that first book design for hackers which i guess i got that book deal about 10 years ago almost almost to the day really uh and it was a surprising process because I just realized nothing I had ever learned about productivity and I had been a productivity enthusiast for years. Nothing I had ever learned about productivity prepared me to write that book. I was not a writer. Uh, I did not consider myself a writer. I did not enjoy writing when I was a kid. Uh, I was a designer and I got this opportunity after doing a little bit of writing to write a book. And I kind of foolishly just went for it. Um, and so the first thing that I tried to do was, was just clear away as much time as I could. You know, it's time management, I think, is the way that a lot of us think about productivity. It's you only have so many hours in a day, and so you've got to figure out how to get what you need to get done in those hours. And so it's like, well, when's the deadline? Well, how many words do I need? Well, let's just break it up so it's, you know, it turns out it's 250 words a day or whatever. That's, that's easy to do. No, 
it doesn't work that way. <laughs> I found out it doesn't work that way. And I might have these 15 minute bursts where suddenly I would write an entire chapter where suddenly the writing would come easily. But the problem was that it took all day banging my head against the wall to get to that point, to get to that 15 minutes where just all the, all the writing came out. I just thought, well, what if I could just, you know, sit down and do that 15 minutes of writing and then get on with the rest of my day. So that kind of started me on this journey of, uh, of trying to figure out, well, how can I optimize this? How can I make this creative work less painful? And it really was painful. I, I mean, I would be hunched over my keyboard just trying to get any words to come out at all. And sometimes it was easy. Most of the time it was hard. Most of the time it didn't, didn't happen. And so I started to look and I, I, I started to notice these different patterns uh, in the way that I, that I worked. I started to notice certain times of day when I was better suited for creative work than other times of day. I started to notice that there were kind of certain subtle differences between different pieces of creative work that I could, if I paid attention to the way my energy was working, uh, what part of the project I was in, what part of the creative process I was actually in, then I, I could begin to get some sort of connection between the actions I was taking and the output that I was making. Um, and so that set me on this, that, this journey. Once the smoke cleared for, uh, from writing that book, and I, and I had started to notice some patterns, I did start to dig into the neuroscience of creativity. Like what, what does it mean to have a creative insight? What are the conditions that are ideal for that? And I started to find, wow, this time management paradigm that we've all been working on for the last 120 years or so does not work at all for creative work or it, at a certain point it becomes uh, detrimental to creative, to creative work, to creative thinking. And you know, you hear people say, you still hear people say it all the time. Oh, there's only 24 hours in a day. Time is our, is our, you know, most precious resource. It's our finite resource. And so that means that, you know, you know, time management, that's the way to get more done. Well, that's not what that means. It's, it, it, it means that eventually, yes, maybe a base level of time management is good, but then eventually you've, you've run that there, you can only save so much time. You can only you can do only optimize faster. your life to a certain degree. Can't, yeah. I mean, it's like, there becomes a, there is a stop point. <laughs> eventually you're squeezing blood from a stone. Yeah. Right. You can only get so much out of, out of time management and it's especially difficult because creative work is so incompatible with that. You know, creative work is, uh, insights come to us very suddenly. It takes no time to have an idea. Mm. You could have an amazing idea just at any moment. Um, th th there can be infinitely different, infinite differences in value of your ideas. You can write a novel that sells zero copies. You could write a novel with, you know, just as good of grammar and, and less misspellings and just as many words and it sells a million copies. Um, and then there's also that the actions that you're taking when you're doing creative work 
do not necessarily directly translate into product. You know, I've had some of my best ideas, you know, not during uh, the time I'm sitting and writing, not during the time I'm on vacation. But for me, it seems to be like if I go on a vacation for like a week, you know, the first day back, I'm just not, not having it at all. The second day I'm starting to hit my stride. Third day or so, suddenly I start having all these ideas. Or I got a massage yesterday and now weird. Suddenly I, I can think more clearly. Um, and, and so with time being that finite, with you not being able to squeeze more blood from the stone, with creative work having these, these unpredictable characteristics, or at least seemingly unpredictable characteristics, well, yeah, time management doesn't work. Time management was, was created, I guess the precursor of time management was Frederick Taylor, scientific management you know, the industrial age, stand there with a stopwatch, instruct this guy on how to, you know, stack bricks and, and time it, time every movement and just say, okay, we'll do this, hold it this way and turn in that way and do this. And it should take you this long to stack bricks and, you know, do that over and over again. And now you can stack bricks faster. Well, creative work isn't that way. Yeah. It's not gonna, you're not, you can't just like make the ideas happen like that so and you that's can't what process them just in that same way i want to come back to your your uh, creative process which i'm an electronics engineer so i've been huh? in manufacturing in shop floor watching the lean manufacturing process move these items through the factory tickets on the management everybody with the you know everything managed to that process and that's just not how we work in um in cognitive things, in things in our brains. They just don't, we can't package them up quite so easily and move them along the conveyor belt. It's great so, for manufacturing the product. It's not so great yeah. for inventing the products. Yeah, so what is your, I want to know what's your, you said uh, what part of the creative process I was in. So tell mm -hmm. me about the creative process and what are those parts? Yeah, you know, it was actually kind of surprising when I, when I dug deeper on this, how much there is that we actually know about the creative process, but that we just don't employ. So one of those things uh, was that there was this speech by this prolific scientist, uh, Hermann von Helmholtz, uh, in, in the late 1800s. And uh, he basically was talking about how um, creative insights, you know, he had done all these amazing things. He'd invented the ophthalmoscope. He had come up with color theory, things that the impressionists use. He had been very influential and he, he just was pontificating about his own process, uh, that he used throughout his career. It was his 70th birthday. He came, rose to give a, give a speech. And he was just talking about how the in, great insights never really came to him when he was sitting at the writing table. They never came to him to a wearied brain, never came to him when he was tired. It was, it was always, you know, when he was out on a walk or something, but, uh, but that it would only happen if he had turned the problem over and over again in his mind until he could see it from all angles in his mind's eye. And then he would have to rest. And then only then would he maybe have these great insights. And then there was another social psychologist, Graham Wall, uh, uh, Wallace, uh, several years later, broke that up into different phases of, uh, 
of the creative process and then added one. So it was, it became preparation, incubation, illumination, and verification. So preparation is the turning it over in your mind to like getting into the source of the problem, learning about the problem, learning about all the different ways that you might solve the problem. And then incubation is this time away from the problem that time and time again, research shows that when you present somebody with a problem and you give them some time away from it, uh, especially if they sleep between learning about the problem and then later on trying to solve it, that suddenly it becomes a lot easier to solve that insight, especially with insight problems. Um, so preparation, illumina uh, incubation, illumination, that's that moment of insight. That's the moment where you have the great idea. And then verification is, you know, verifying. Not every, you know, seems like a great idea at the moment, but maybe there's some things that, that, that uh, aren't as good as you, as, you, as you thought they were. So, you know, if I'm writing and I think I'm having a great writing session and I go back through and I edit, and I misspelled stuff, I did the grammar wrong, or you know, I checked some facts and I'm like, oh, it, it actually didn't turn out to be that way, then that's the verification. So there's four stages, preparation, incubation, illumination, verification. That alone, just acknowledging that you can't sit down and all at once take in a creative problem and solve it, that alone, is a huge breakthrough in being more productive when creativity matters. Yeah. So I love that. I love, yeah. I've not heard of that one, um, that model. But thinking about the incubation one, so they have to go away and think about it. Do, are you an advocate of having multiple projects, multiple things on the go? I mean, if you heard the thing Richard Feynman said, have what are your 12 favorite problems? And having those in the background all the time. So you're an advocate of having more than one project moving through your prep, incubation, illumination, verification process. Yes, uh, I am actually, I'm more than anything, I'm an advocate of having kind of a repeatable project that you like you're doing with a podcast, yeah. right? Is that you have a certain schedule, it's a creative process. You have to, you have to research your guests, you have to come up with questions, you have to talk to them, then when, when it's all over, you kind of say, have to say, well, what was that all about? And that's a process. But uh, if, it's re it's a re if it's a repetitive process, then you can start to uh, fine tune your approach to it. And you can start to create certain constraints that, um, you know, a lot of us don't like constraint, the idea of constraints. We think it's going to, it's going to harm our create our creativity. It's going to stifle our creativity, but no, it's usually really the opposite. You can start to create these constraints where within that you can be creative and within that you can get better and better at this skill of preparing for interviews, for conducting interviews, for um, creating show notes, really getting the lessons out of something. And then from that, you, you start to build up into bigger projects. So, you know, for example, this book, Mind Management, Not Time Management, I've been working on this stuff for years. It all started with a blog post in 2012. And, you know, I've written numerous blog posts, had talked to numerous experts on my podcast, Love Your Work, about these things. And so it's through having these smaller uh, creative works that uh, I then get 
the larger creative works. Um, and the way that I do that though, is that it can sometimes feel overwhelming when you have a lot of different projects going. And so I actually think of my creative energy in sort of a back burner, front, front burner, back burner way. And that when people, typically people say, oh, I'm putting something on the back burner, they typically mean, well, I'm just kind of not working on that anymore. But really, if you're cooking something on the back burner of the stove, you're still cooking it. You're just kind of like checking in on the pasta once in a while. And you know that in about seven minutes, it'll be al dente and you can, you know, get it out there. So you're still working on it. But then there's the front burner stuff, the, the vegetables you're stir frying that you just don't, you want to get them just to the right point. And I think of it as, as you're working on the front burner with these things that are kind of new to you where you don't necessarily have your system and your process all figured out. But as you're doing that, you're creating processes, you're formalizing those, you're creating systems using your front burner energy. But as you do that, it moves to the back burner where when I started my podcast five years ago, I mean, every single episode was a huge project. Every single epi episode was, well, wait, how am I going to, what question am I going to ask? What research do I need to do? Uh, you know, and then when I'm adding, oh, where am I going to put the intro music? Where am I going to put this and that, the other thing? And, but now I've got, an, I've got systems going and automations going and all these things where it's a back burner project. Actually, a podcast episode went out this morning. It's a Thursday. And, uh, I, you know, oftentimes I, I, I'll get up and I'll, I'll, I write. And uh, it's usually late in the day before I realize, like, oh, a podcast episode went out today. Well, so when I first started, it, it was, if it was Thursday morning, like, I was watching that. But now yeah. it's back burner. I can work on the front burner stuff and, and continue to add these systems in place where there's more and more things on the back burner, where now I've got the, the podcast. I've got a weekly newsletter called Love Mondays that was front burner, now is back burner. Uh, and you start to get these systems going where uh, you can use your creative energy a lot more efficiently and in the work is actually better because of it. And so do have you, um, so you said you're automated. So have you automated and do you have an assistant? Do you have a team of people to help you to, to take those things that we talked about earlier, like the production line things? So do you have uh, people to help you with the production line elements of the process while you can then focus on the creative end of? Good question. Yeah, I do have a really um, reliable podcast uh, production team. And, and I'm not great at managing, but the, the leader of this team is a great manager. And so he, he does the managing of the people who are, who are, you know, actually doing the technical, much of the technical work. And he's just very organized. And I just can always feel confident that if I, if I fill out the things that are in my system, which I've got an Airtable spreadsheet, essentially, uh, Airtable is a great, like Google Docs alternative for spreadsheets. We're going to have to fight here. I'm a Notion person. So we ha oh, we'll you're have a Notion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have I a Notion versus Airtable bit. fight. <laughs> yeah. So I've got the stuff in an Airtable, and then I have uh, also I, I've got it set up where when I schedule a new episode in Airtable, um, Zapier using an automation creates my to-doist tasks <laughs> for 
that and and so they just all just show up in Todoist, and so I just can look in Todoist and say, oh, okay, looks like I need to do that part of this of this of this project of this episode or whatever. And so and those are broken down into um, tasks that are small enough that I tend to not procrastinate on them, and they're spaced out actually particularly to take advantage of incubation. Um, which we can talk about more if you, if you want at some point, but uh, let's save that for the next podcast because I yeah. want to talk more about your book. Tell me about your book. Cause we're going to have to speak again. Cause I've got, sure. I've got like about 20 different things I want to ask you, but I really want <laughs> to know more about your book today. So tell me Great. about the book. What are the things we're going to learn when we read about, when we read your book? Yeah. So the book is called mind management, not time management. Here's oh, uh, my little preview <laughs> edition right now, which I'm so excited. It's just, such a great feeling to to uh, to get a, a proof of your book. I'm a book um, sniffer. Every time I, I've I've helped oh, lots yeah? of people write books and um, and get published, and every time I get a copy of a book, I've got lots of books myself. I sniff them. It's like the, that. It's like the, like a new baby because it smells different. Hmm, yeah, the, the, the <laughs> ink. It's a nice smell. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic. It's, it is a and fantastic moment. Congratulations yeah. again for another book. So yeah. talk to me about the book. Sure. So yeah, my management, not time management is, is a lot about a lot of the stuff that uh, we've been talking about. Just, it is about how to be productive when being creative matters. Uh, and that the way to do that is not through time management. And it's, I had to particularly address time management in the book because it's so pervasive because we're really a time worship culture. Mm -hmm. You know, you'll notice like everything is about time. If we, we negotiate with time, you know, if uh, I remember working in an office, somebody comes and taps you on the shoulder and they're like, well, do you have a minute? Well, it's not the minute that I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned about is my energy, my focus, my motivation. Like if I'm in the middle of something, that task um, switching from thing to thing is so yeah. stressful and such a resource stealer. Yeah, we, and we're yeah, and we're so in so many different interactions, we act as if time is the only thing that that is, that is important. And and notice that you know we we refer to our unused time as free time. Um, when you know if it's if it's if it's somebody else's time, well, it, it, yeah, you're free. You're doing your free time. Um, and it, it's really so per pervasive. And so I, I, it, this is sort of my proposal to humanity for, well, let's switch to more of a mind management world where it's not always about time, where it is about energy and it is about well, what's the, what's the better, how, what's the better time to do this based upon your energy levels? What's the better time to do this based upon the stage we're in the process? input output that just because you put time into this that somehow means that it you did something valuable um and because you can actually find this is something i talk about in the book and just as i was talking about with the the podcast episodes that for example writing an intro for the podcast um say i have a an interview with seth godin um and it's an hour long and i'm like he's blown my mind throughout the entire interview. And now I've got to think about, well, what was that about? What was that really even about? And I've got to make some show notes or an intro on that. Well, what I used to do was sit and listen to it and then try to make notes 
But I've learned through breaking apart the creative process that there's actually different pieces to this to where now that, that can be a thing where I'm kind of listening to the episode uh, as I go about my day and I do that a few times. And then there's a, a few different tasks in my task management system that are five minutes each um, and they're spaced out to take advantage of incubation. I call it your passive genius, which we just tend to not um, use as much as we really could. And so now this thing that used to take me an hour or so that I would dread, that would, that I would feel totally drained after it was done, it's broken up into 15 minutes, three different little five-minute tasks um, that are easy to do and fun to do and that I don't procrastinate on. So that's a little bit of what this book is about, is how can you actually take these things that are happening with your mind uh, and instead of tracking your time and using your time as the precious resource, using your energy as the precious resource, your creative energy, and figuring out how to get the most out of that creative energy. Wow. That, well, I've already read the book, so I know how, <laughs> how cool it is. So, and I'm, I'm dying to get my hands on the real copy. Which, when, when is the book coming out? October or? October 27th. Is the date, and it's available for for pre-order right now on Amazon. The uh, I think both the Kindle and the paperback might be ready for pre-order. Fantastic! So and so, I'm going to start. I promised you I wouldn't take more than thirty minutes, but we do have. We will have to speak again because there's like about a hundred things I want to ask you more about. So, well, I I have I have one question that I ask everybody this question, and it's my favorite question in the world. Is when was the last time you did something for the first time? Hmm. It was the last time I did something for the first time. Um, hmm. You're going to have to cut out a lot of silence here. Silence is good. <laughs> <laughs> I am trying to think about the last time I did something for the first time. Well, I think maybe the first time I... I used a, uh, I had a first time that I used a mechanical keyboard. Mechanical Maybe it wasn't keyboard. my first time. <laughs> or is it, may I use that right? Is it the ones with the heavy switches that are like clickety click, 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 click. I finally just got one. And, uh, you know, there's all these, it's one of these things that people who are tech geeks and stuff are just swear by. And uh, I like it. It's nice. Why do you like it? Because I, I, I like, the, I like my mine makes nice clicks, but it's not that firm touch click that hmm. you know. Dun, dun, dun. So is it quite a firm touch? Well, I've got the brown switches, which are the standard switches, which are kind of in between. Like the red switches, I think, are the softer ones. And I, don't, I haven't even tried all the different ones, and I don't think that I would actually be super. <laughs> I, I don't want to get super particular about it, actually. Um, but, but yeah, now actually I do have, sometimes I need to use a different keyboard and I, I did finally notice like, oh, wow, this is really just not, there's not a lot of resistance to this, this keyboard. And, uh, and so I do wonder whether it feels like I'm typing faster and more accurately with it, but I wonder <laughs> if that's just because it's louder that my <laughs> mind tricks me into thinking that 
I'm being more productive somehow. Oh, whatever, whatever works for you that makes you feel like you're more productive, that works for me too. I love that idea. Okay, yeah. so now your book's coming out in October and we can get it from Kindle and we can also get it from your website, which is kadavi.com or kadavi.net. Kadavi.net. Have I said your name wrong all along? <laughs> Where's the accent? Tell me, t- say it again. Kadavi. Kadavi, not Kadavi. Sorry. Kadavi. That's all right. <laughs> well, Kadavi. Cadavy.net, people go to Cadavy.net and that's where they can sign up to your newsletter, which your newsletter, by the way, I love your newsletter. I, I frequently send you little messages saying, oh, I love that newsletter. Um, because one of the things that I love the most about you in that newsletter is how um, revealing you are about your process, about what's happening, what you've done and what's working and what's not working. And that for me is that that makes a really strong connection for me. So thank you for your newsletter. It's great. Oh, great. great. Yeah. To get, to get exactly to that newsletter, a really easy way to do that. Uh, Cause if you're just needing to type it in while listening to audio or watching video, it's just kdv.co slash N and for newsletter kdv.co slash N. They'll take you right there. Fantastic. Little three letter domain. Make it easy. Yeah, I love it. And your podcast, we can get to that how? Uh, that is anywhere that you listen to podcasts, including including YouTube. Uh, so Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. If you can listen to podcasts there, uh, chances are you will find Love Your Work there with my face on the cover. So, <laughs> so we'll know it's you. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell me? Uh, no, have a great day. That's it. <laughs> and, and I just need to get a promise on air now that you're going to come back and we can do this again in a couple of months. Time. Sure. Fantastic. Yeah, that'd be I'd wonderful. love to know how the book's gone, your promotion, how, how, it's, how it's gone down, what the reviews are like. So that would be fantastic to catch up with you maybe in the new year. Great. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm learning as I go here, uh, all the time. This is, this is my second major self-published book. And so it's always an adventure. So you've just opened another line of inquiry for me for my next podcast with you as well. So (laughs) (laughs) we'll talk about that too. So thank you so much, David. And, um, we'll speak again soon, no doubt. Wonderful. Thank you, Debbie. Ciao for now. Ciao.